Real quick before we start this episode, be sure and check out my channel on Rumble and on YouTube. I'm going to try to offer many of these in a video format as well. So please check out After Hours with Dr. Sigaloff on YouTube and on Rumble. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigaloff, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigaloff was either off-duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigaloff was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigaloff. All right, so today we have a very special guest who's trying to share his story. His concern is he feels like he's been stuck in a foreign country for a very long time for an unreasonable reason. And we both have to be kind of careful here because we're both active duty. Although everything we say is not the, we, we don't express any opinion that expressed by the, or held by the, the U.S. government, DOD, or the Department of the Army. But just go ahead and introduce yourself a bit, Shane, and tell us what's going on. Yeah, so uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm Shane. Uh, currently a sergeant in the army here, uh, stationed here in Korea. And, um, I put a logistic, uh, exemption in, in September of 2021 and, uh, still waiting. Well, I just got back from, uh, talking with some people about my initial request being denied. And this is, sorry, let's, so I found that out today. This is an exemption for what in particular? I know what you're talking about. This is my religious exemption, uh, my religious accommodation to not get the the COVAX, along with uh, several other of the uh, vaccines. Right. And were you someone that in the past had had uh, religious or medical exemptions for vaccines, or is this kind of, and I don't want to say new because it's not new, it's, there's been an awakening that's been going on. Yeah. Uh, I used to love vaccines. I thought, yeah, these are great. Ever since clean water, there was nothing better in human history than vaccines. Well, that's what we were yeah. taught, and that may be completely false. And there's lots of evidence that vaccines have hurt lots of people, especially these new these new things that are not vaccines. They're gene, they're gene therapy, and gene therapy does not mean it edits your genes. Absolutely. But there are... There's lots of evidence that it does edit human gene, the human genome, which is a huge problem. And so as a religious person, so I'm a religious person also, I hold some uh, deep religious beliefs, and they may be similar to yours or maybe very different. Uh, but that's not the thing. Is oh, absolutely. In America, we say that if you can, you can have whatever belief you want and you are sovereign over your body. And so what has the Army told you as you submitted this religious exemption to try and and keep sovereignty over your body. Uh, initially, I was, uh, uh, like I said, my immediate command was very supportive. Uh, but I was also told, like, you know, I won't, it'll be a denied. I'll never get it, you know, <clears throat> approved or anything like that. So uh, immediately I was, yeah, I will help you out, but you're wasting your time, that kind of uh, opposition. Um, but at the same time, that I was dealing with this when they first uh, put the mandate. In fact, I was on uh, emergency leave for my my mother, uh, who is, you know, was diagnosed with uh, is diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, 
and uh, received a Red Cross message. So I uh, get home, you know, after them, before leaving Korea, saying, hey, you, <clears throat> we'll curtail you, we'll get you home, and you can do all this, and and uh, offered, even offered a compassion to go to Hood to be closer to uh, my mom. Um, granted, I was on orders Carson. And at this point, I would have took Carson anyways. It's a lot closer than Korea. So as I'm home, and I'm not even home for maybe like two weeks, uh, you know, I start getting phone calls like, hey, you need to make your mind up about this shot. You need to get it or, you know, you need to put an exemption in. So you feel like you were getting pressured so, quite a bit? Uh, oh, yeah. So the calls never stopped until they got what they wanted. Um, they uh, they had uh, my commander call me. They had my first sergeant call me. Uh, my commander felt like, I mean, I could totally feel like he was pressured because, I mean, he was having conversations with me. He, You could tell he didn't want to have. And, of course, in the situation that I was in, I quickly reminded him, I'm like, do you know where I'm at? Do you know what I'm dealing with? Like, this is not on the top of my list of con like big concerns. Like, I, I don't have time for this. And uh, they said, yeah, yeah, we know, but uh, they're threatening to uh, drag you back to Korea, not give you your containment, not give you compassionate, and not let you PCS. They'll flag you and keep you here if you do nothing. So, so I they said, were you know, basically okay, well, I guess I got to do what I got to do. Yeah, they're threatening. basically threatening yeah, to, to keep I mean, you that was, in a foreign land against your will, beyond your orders. Yeah, because you didn't want to have something that's never beyond been used orders. in humans. Exactly. So, you know, I did what I had to do, and they think that I'm just going to go run out and get the shot. You know, and uh, any, I mean, the thought crossed my mind. I'm like, I'm just going to make all this go away, but. You know, I had my family there, and they're, they're one of the loudest voices there, you know, with me not getting it, and especially my mom, you know. <clears throat> so I, uh, I I typed up my uh, religious uh, accommodation request, and I sent it in to my commander, and boy, and they couldn't get it fast enough. I mean, they were, you know, they had a, middle school, a medical doctor call me and a, and a chaplain call me as well. And uh, once they called me, to get this interview process done. The, the medical doctor asked me if I was on TDY. And I said, no, I'm on emergency leave right now. I'm home in Texas, you know, I'm dealing with my mom. She's very, very ill. She's terminally ill. And he could, he just said, oh my God, why, why are we having this conversation? Why am I on the phone with you right now? And <laughs> I said, I don't know, because they really that, want this. They really want this done. And uh, it's, there's a timeline I, all of a sudden. It's, after this, I'd like to get the name of that doc, because that, that, that's a good doc. Because so right. many other yeah, doctors yeah. just keep ramming this message home, even though it's like you're on terminal leave. Yeah. Spend time with your mother. And you're in Texas. Yeah. You're thousands and you're on the other side of the globe. Yeah. So that, and that the was thing is, it, what, what really surprised me is they could have curtailed me right away and I would have never, I wouldn't be their problem anymore. I would have been like my new unit at Fort Carson's problem, you know? So. In the grand scheme of the army, like they love pushing stuff on people and going, ah, this is got this is this guy's problem now, you know. Instead, they went above and beyond to to keep me. So, yeah, so like I said, the the, the medical doctor, he, you know, my dad was sitting right there in the chair next to me when I had him on the phone. He's like, uh, <laughs> this interview's over, man. Like, I'll just I'll put in there. We talked and we'll call it good. 
And I said, alright, sir. He's like, you have a good night. I'm sorry I bothered you. Mm. So the same thing went on with the chaplain. that They had a completely different battalion chaplain call me and, you know, like, this is late at night in Texas because this is, you know, obviously everyone's operating in the morning in Korea to do phone calls and stuff. So, so it wasn't your chaplain. The chaplain. It was someone else's unit chaplain. No. No. Uh, I'm not a big fan of my battalion's chaplain either. Uh, he's definitely bought in. I kind of feel like we call it bought and paid for. Like def- he definitely regurgitates all the COVID stuff. I mean, he, he's a firm believer in the vaccine. So I, like, I immediately was like, I don't, I don't want to talk to this guy either. <laughs> I really don't. And he's very, he's very biased. Very com- comes off very biased. And so, so this battalion, this is a different battalion's uh, chaplain calls me, and he asked me the same thing. He's like, "What are you doing in Texas?" And I'm like, I'm, <laughs> "I'm on emergency leave. You know, my mom's dying." And uh, he was like, "This is a leadership problem, man." I said, "Absolutely." He's like, "Your leadership." should have the spine, they should have your back right now, they should be saying, hey, we're going to hold off on this guy, this guy's dealing, they're putting you through this right now? And I said, absolutely. And he's like, I'm trying to make this as short and sweet as possible. And, you know, he just, we did we did the interview and uh, whatnot, and he's like, you know, I, mean, I got you, we're going to write up, you know, I'll write up everything and seem like a good dude and I'll take care of you. And he, he sent it up because... It was, I think, a day after I called him. He's like, I have to send this letter in. This major is calling me <laughs> and saying he wants your stuff now. And by this time, it's like end of September, probably, if not end of September, the first week of October uh, of 2021. And uh, they were saying, like, we need to do it or we're gonna. F- he's going to get flagged. And I'm not sure the timeline on this, but I don't think anyone was getting flagged for not having any you know refusal actions put in yet until like November so I do not know what the rush was <clears throat> so are you, are you officially that, flagged at this moment what's are you officially flagged I'm at assuming this so I'm assuming so, so. I did not get uh, sorry yeah that? so I've never been flagged before this whole event either because I was pretty good soldier pretty good ratings blah 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 the first time I was flagged, they actually called me into their office. My commander did, and it was a notification for flag because I this had never happened to me before, and it was for a fifteen six mm. for saying gene or genetic I, therapy. I, I haven't like yeah, and yeah, and so I haven't seen I any sign flags on my ERB or anything like that. So that would make me think that you're sign actually not, yeah. If you didn't sign a paper, then you're probably not actually flagged yet, which is shocking. Because I want to draw, put a big highlighter on what you just said, is they're messing with you while you're talking to your, your at your mother's bedside because she's terminally ill. And this is such an important issue that they have to get this hammered out right now. And here it is. What month are we in? April? No, we're in May. May. I'm, I'm a little behind. We're in May. Yep. We're, we're in May, months and months and months later. And... They still haven't notified that you that you've been flagged, so that means you have not been flagged because you have to sign a paper when you become flagged. Yeah, exactly. So where's so the compassion? I think that's, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like my my leadership blamed HRC for not getting a, a compassionate reassignment. You know, in time, like I was on leave for sixty days. They wasted every last one of those days. 
they sent out two incorrectly filled out or put together compassionate packets and uh, waited till like the week before I had to come back to Korea to say, hey, we cannot extend you past 60 days. You have to come back to Korea. Um, and uh, so at that point, <laughs> before even before that point, I was asking to be curtailed. I said, just curtail me. It's easier. And, uh, <laughs> you know, this compassionate stuff's not working very fast. Um, and uh, my first time was like, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to curtail you right now. You'll have to report immediately to Carson. It will take you away from your mom. I said, "Me going to Carson, me going to Carson is only ten hours away from my home right now, compared to seven thousand miles away in Korea. Like this would be easier and smarter just to let me go." And he's like, "Well, we're, me and the sergeant majors are. We're working on. Uh, we're working on getting you like attached to first cab and hood." And, and you can do some work there or sign in and then go and sign back out on leave. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm 45 minutes from Goodfellow Air Force Base. I can go see any officer over there, sign in. He can get on the horn and call anybody and say, I'm looking to this guy right now. He's signed back in on leave. And I can make a new leave form and sign right back out. What was that problem? <clears throat> so they told me, like, hey, we can't, <clears throat> we cannot extend your day, uh, leave past 60 days. And, um, you have to come back to Korea, but that's fine because at this point, it's November 15th and I'm getting back on the plane to come to Korea and my DROS date was uh, December 15th. So I was like, okay, uh, is your date expected to return from overseas? So basically my day that I'm supposed to come back to America for my overseas tour uh, was the 15th of December. And here it is, November 15th, and they like, um, yeah, we'll just, you'll just have to come, you'll quarantine for two weeks, and you'll out-process for two weeks, and then you'll be on the plane back to America. And I was, I remember being kind of peeved about it because, you know, I hadn't been home for Thanksgiving in a, a long time uh, since I've been in the Army, and I, I was expecting to be home for Thanksgiving um, with my family. And... Um, so I was like, well, okay, I won't be home for Thanksgiving, but I'll be home for Christmas. <clears throat> so I was kind of like, I remember telling myself that, like, that's that's not so bad. You know, I'll sacrifice that for this. When we get uh, I get back to Korea, and I'm not even, I think I'm like day one or day two in my 14-day quarantine, and my first sergeant calls me and says, hey, this COVID thing is rearing its ugly head again. Uh, you might be getting extended. And I said, extended for what? And <clears throat> he said, yeah, for not being vaccinated and pending right now. They're going to they're gonna extend you until you get approved or you, something. And at this point, that frago had just barely came out. And they didn't have any other kind of rules, like, going with it. So no one knew what to do. They're just like, all right, we're keeping them here. It wasn't until after, so no one was completely sure if they were going to do that or not. He was giving me a heads up. It wasn't until about seven days. I've cleared installation. I'm ready to go. I'm not standing at Battalion S1 trying to get my leave form so I can clear finance and the rest of Battalion. And they're like, Sergeant Ferris, your, uh, <laughs> your leave form's not signed by the commander yet, the, the Battalion commander. I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll do that tomorrow. And uh, that was the next day is when my first sergeant called me and said, hey, man, your leave's denied. You're getting IFSD. 
and uh, and 60 day increments until something else happens, until you get vaccinated or until your your uh, exemption request gets approved. And that was it. And it was then it was found out, hey, you can put an ETP in to uh, PCS, but that approval authority is also the Undersecretary of the Army. And when they said that, I remember every officer in, in my commander's office was like, that's going to take forever. No piece of mail, no piece of paper goes up to that guy in, with any kind of quickness. And um, one of my lieutenants was like, hey, you know, just being hopeful. He's like, I don't see this. I don't even see your paperwork taking longer than the 60-day extension. <laughs> Here we are. I'm six months past my DROs. And last night, I just finally got an answer on uh, on my my initial, my first uh, RA. And uh, they had just had me put in another EGP last, or a couple weeks ago, because I had a template for a guy who got his EGP to PCS approved because of family health issues back home. So they had me fill that out, put my background information in and send it up. But I don't think that even matters anymore because now my RA is, is denied. And uh, I have no I have no desire or want to appeal it. Like, what to do what? I, I, I ETS in March 2023. So it took them nine months to answer my <laughs> initial request. What are they going to do? Wait another nine to ten months to... I'll be out of the army by then. It'll just keep me here indefinitely. And at this point in time, I'm just trying to get home to my mom any way I can, you know. So, and then they'll tell you, oh, like by the way, now you have seven days to decide if you're going to get the shot or appeal your your request. So, I'm like, okay, you can put a timeline on me, <laughs> but you guys can take nine months to uh, you know approve or deny that piece of paper. This sounds like it's strong arming of the worst type. They're keeping you captive. I mean, you're not you're not technically in a prison because there's no bars on the walls where I can see. But you're a stranger <laughs> in a strange country where you don't speak the language. You have a sick family, a sick mother, back in the states. That it would be nice to go be near her. And they their attempts to help you get there quicker have actually made you stay longer. Almost yeah. like it was done by design. Yeah. Um. I've I've lost a lot of trust with <clears throat> I call them the people upstairs, you know, mostly my battalion and higher leadership and I don't know who's guilty of what or not, but I, I suspect a lot of foul play. I think I, I, I firmly believe they knew I was gonna get stuck here before they called me back to Korea because it was a little too convenient to be like the first day back in as soon as I'm back in Korea, they're telling me, "Hey, man, you're getting extended." Like they knew once I was in Korea, they could tell they could finally break that news to me. Um, and it didn't become a. Uh, but another thing that kind of relieves my mind of that is the Frago didn't come out until like I don't know November 27th. But I, I I believe that some of these leadership these guys know what's coming down the pipeline before it happens, and. Uh, that would explain to me why they wouldn't curtail me when I asked so many times. Just curtail me. Curtailment takes like 15 days. A compassionate takes 30 days. They sent two compassions up, both incorrectly, and they both failed uh, to 
probably didn't make it past battalion or even brigade. I'm not even sure how high any of my compassionate packets went up. Because when I left Korea, I gave a power of attorney to my platoon leader and my platoon sergeant so they could ship my household goods home and clear me from insulation. But at the same time, before I left, they told me, my company commander was like, take as much stuff home with, with you on the plane as you can because you're not coming back here. Like, my company commander did not want me coming back. He, and he didn't expect me to come back. Um, so, there's a lot of, there's a lot of who's, who's doing what going on through my mind. And at this point, it doesn't matter now. Just, it's what's done is done, and, and now I'm just trying to get home. Um, right now, they're just prolonging the inevitable, of, which is me not taking that shot ever. <laughs> if they decide to keep me here till March of 2023, that's, that's fine. I'm still not taking that shot. And the more they do, the less I really, the less I want to, you know, so I refuse to be strong-armed. It just sucks that it has to be, I'm in the situation I'm in now with my family, with my mom, you know, with, the, you know, my whole family needs me back home because, you know, dad works and he works four hours away from home and then got my sister, my oldest sister and she has her daughter and <laughs> my little sister's handicapped. You know, and they're all trying to like. My mom's in and out of the hospital. She's currently having uh, complications with her mastectomy, uh, and with MRSA, and uh, with a bunch of different other complications, and finding more cancer. That it's just like I need to be home with my family. So that's the worst part about being here is that they know, and and they know about my 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 situation because I've asked countless times. I'm like, Do these people know. These leaders up top, do they know, is battalion, does brigade, do they know, does the division, do they know about my situation? I'm not my mother's currently in the hospital, and she just finished surgery uh, last week to uh, get infection out of her, her, her surgery for, for removing her breast. She's had complications with that, with MRSA and, and other stuff, so... Um, still in the hospital. She's been in the hospital for almost three weeks now from when she first was uh, thrown in there after uh, she first started having complications with the, the surgery. She had surgery, I believe, in end of March or beginning of April when she had her breast moved. So they thought they had found another lump and they found out it was like a pocket of infection or whatnot. So this is a question that's probably on everyone's mind, certainly on my mind, is how is your mother now? Honestly, my family is probably all, they're all in low spirits right now. It's, it's taking effect on my dad. My dad had a heart attack last July dealing with all this, you know. He, he's he's a hard worker. He takes care of the, the family financially, sole provider right now. And uh, so that's my biggest concern is, him having any more complications due to this, you know, my mom's in low spirits because, you know, after she went on board with the chemo stuff, <clears throat> you know, she, she didn't want to do chemo. Uh, her, her quality of life kind of went down after that. And even after the doctor told her it won it. And, uh, I feel, I feel like she thinks she's a burden. And so she, she knows that it's taking a, a toll on the family. And stressing a lot of people out, and you know, she knows that I'm over here, and I tell her every day, I wish I was there with her. Um, 
you know, I think she tries to keep a lot of stuff from me because she doesn't want to get me like angry or upset over here and more stressed out than I'm already, or, I already am. Um, but at the same time, it kind of just <laughs> frustrates me because I, I, I'm 7,000 miles away. I want to be kept in the loop of what's going on. Um, so usually my dad or my sister will fill in the gaps of what my mom doesn't tell me. And I don't blame her for that. You know, I admire her for it, but <laughs> I'm her 30-year-old son. I want to know what's going on. And what's your mom's name, if you don't mind telling My mom's us? name? My mom's name is Casey. Casey. Casey, I'll be praying for you. My family will be praying for you. And I'm I'm sure there are many listeners that will be praying for you as well. And And prayer doesn't make it all the bad stuff go away. What the prayer does is it's time to look into ourselves and make sure that what we're asking for is God's will. And what's really interesting, I, I found this, and this is kind of a tangent that I like to go on sometimes. I was looking through this procedure book that I have, and they actually did a, I, I found a spot that said prayer, so I went to that part of the book. And this is, you know, a thick medical textbook. And in there it said, okay, turn a page, whatever, for prayer. And so I started reading it. And they did this study where they had some people in America and they they found a infertility or a fertility clinic in Korea, which is really interesting. And they measured how many babies they typically had, you know, like how successful they were. And then they had a like a local church or two start praying for that facility. And there was an effect. And that facility had no idea that people were praying for them. And the reason I kind of go on that tangent is to say that we, all of us believers, know that there is, that God allows us to have some power to, to even come to him and ask for something. But science has also shown that. And how these, these people started having more babies. They were more successful at getting people pregnant even when they didn't know they were being studied. And that's pretty powerful. And that's, I mean, I'm getting chills from that right now. And, and Casey, we're going to be mm. praying for you. I know I will be. I can't speak for anybody else. Uh, but I'm sure there are many listeners that will be praying for you and for you, Shane, too. Yeah, I appreciate it. We we, we need them all. Uh, we've had a lot of, you know, through all this ordeal, we've had a lot of prayers answered. Um, but we still got a lot more to go. We still got a lot more battle to win. You know, it seems like you take a step for <laughs> take take a step forward, and then something helps hits you and drives you ten steps back, and that was with and that's pretty much what happened in the family with the whole whole getting stuck in Korea kind of thing. Um, just, I, I know just coming home when I went home in September, uh, even my dad made a comment on this. He said that you know he my mom's spirits had lifted just having her son home. So I'm I'm gone all the time. I mean it's military, you know so. I was I was at North Carolina, uh, I was at Bragg, um, most of my time. So nowhere near Texas. You know, I'm 24 hours from home, and I come home maybe once a year, and uh, then I got stationed in Korea for a year, and so always gone. So to have her uh, have her son show up, my dad said that you could definitely tell that lifted her spirits because that's all she wants, you know. You know. So I would I would want nothing more to just even if it's just sitting in the hospital whether just that's all I want right now. That's yeah, 
and that's hard. And this is going to yeah, be. I can't, I'm not a doctor. I can't help her out anyway. But yeah. Well, that that's, and this is what's so frustrating about doctors is, they they think that the family member doesn't help their their patient recover, and we've seen them express that by not allowing, mm-hmm. like with all this COVID garbage that's going on. They haven't allowed the family members to go in there and be next to their their loved ones, and that that hurts the loved ones. You know, go back and listen to the episode okay. where I, I interviewed Dean. I mean, his wife is a registered nurse. And he was not allowed to have his registered nurse wife be in there. Someone else who could help advocate for him. That's why it's so important to have family in there. Because on a good day, there are lots of medical errors that hurt people. And then if you listen to what happened oh, yeah. to Dean, their protocols are trying to kill people when it's related to COVID. It's it's shocking. It happened to my aunt right before I came back to Korea as well. Her and her husband had had gone to the hospital. They were sick. And this is like a week before I went came back to Korea. But uh, yeah, so they got really really sick, and uh, my great aunt took a turn for the worst, and they put her on a respirator and whatnot, and that was it. <laughs> It was all down from hill, hill from there. Her her husband had recovered, and by the time he recovered and and uh, woke up, I guess <clears throat> he realized his wife was dead. And uh, my mom was telling me that they had hit her with a remdesivir, and uh, yeah, it was that was it from there. She's dead. I'm so sorry. And you have. So talked about but you haven't explicitly say and I'm I'm going to bring it out so that the listener is aware trust is broken trust is broken between the higher ranking and lower ranking and the problem with that trust being broken is that let's ask you to take a hill and let's say I'm your lieutenant and I say go take that hill and you go well if I take that hill are you going to be there to to um, sorry, if I take that hill, are you going to be there to give me the fire support that I need, to give me the air support that I need, to give me food, to give me water, to give me fuel? Because they can't get you out of a country where is your is your job so important that no one else could do it? No, <laughs> no. There's there's plenty more that could do what I do. And you're gaining units, so the unit that you're supposed to go to. They're missing you. They don't have you to do the work that you're supposed yeah. to be doing. And so the issue is like... So that's another thing they've been told. That... That's it. Keep, keep going, keep going. Nothing you've been told? Yeah, that's another thing I've been told uh, when you said that uh, the gaining unit and stuff needs me. Like they, they've all told me like, uh, nobody wants you, you know, nobody wants, you know, the gaining unit doesn't want you other company. They've tried passing me off to other companies. Uh, you're in the battalion as I'm, I'm, I'm in a flight company. So they were just going to stick me in maintenance company and just be a ground guy. And, uh, there's like, Oh, Delta doesn't want you. Uh, your Carson doesn't want you. You don't have a home. Like I've, I've heard all that stuff and whether it was joking or not, it's just like, to me, it's like, dude, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to wear me down. Um, yeah, so I've heard, I've heard it. <laughs> I've heard it all in that aspect. 
And the other part where the trust is broken is in medicine. And with the medical trust, so the trust between the patient and the doctor, because people may not realize this yet, but soon when the truth about this shot comes out, and it's not just the shot, you know, as, as my eyes open, I see more and I see how much we've been lied to, how much we've been... What's interesting about medicine is it's, it's very dictatorial. Well, I learned this, so I'm going to teach you, and then you're going to learn it, and then do it, and then you'll be required to do it. And as you begin to open your mind and open your eye and see things that were always there but you never could see before, you understand there's treatments for stuff, like treatments that are inexpensive. There's treatments for... There's best practices for food. You can heal your body or at least have peak operating... Um, have your body work run and be on peak um, peak performance by eating the best fuel that you can put into it. And and as a mechanic, you know that you want to have good performance. You put the best fuel in. You put the best oil in. Your body's the same way. Yep. And there are things that are better for your body, and there are things that are garbage that no human should eat. And what most Americans eat is absolute garbage. <laughs> and so now we've bro- we're breaking and broken the trust in the military, we're breaking and broken the trust between the regular person and their doctor. And we're, we're shackling the doctors to where they feel they must, they must force treatments that are unproven technology that's never been used in humans. One day, we will meet again at Nuremberg. And these people that are pushing these vaccines will stand trial. And when I say Nuremberg, it may not be a physical Nuremberg. It may be more of that spirit of the city that we did in, after World War II. But it will happen. Because these people are wrong, and they're complacent in their wrongness, and they're confident in their wrongness. And they keep pushing things that are harmful. And, and sir... You are an example to all of us. What I've done is nothing compared to what you've been going through. Being alone. Not spending time with your mom. Trusting in the Lord. Truly trusting in the Lord. I mean, you are in the fires of the furnace right now. And you're not alone. And and I want to encourage you that you're not alone. In spirit, I'm with you. What I'm going through can't compare. If not justice here, justice in the future. I appreciate that. And and there'll be eternal justice, at least yeah. for you and your family, as long as you're believers. Yeah, I appreciate that. And and the world's so full of people that they're like, well, they hear they hear your problem. They're like, well, I see an easy solution to this problem. Take the shot, and you can go home. You know, it's a grave moral injury. Do it for to your mom. <laughs> do do it for my mom. My mom's the loudest voice in my life right now, begging me not to do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, I would get the shot just to come home and see her, and and uh, you know, like it'd break her heart. And then, and another thing about the mistrust is one of the biggest reasons I didn't get the vaccine is, you know is because of the lies they've already backed out of 
several things. Like when I signed my COVAX refusal counseling, I said it would not face adverse action while my my exemption is pending. And then they keep me involuntarily in a in a hardship tour without my family. And then I said, you can't. I thought I wasn't going to face adverse action. They said, well, this isn't this, the army doesn't define this as adverse. This is a hardship tour, I'm not with my family, and you just involuntarily extended me. What part of that doesn't sound adverse? You can just make up your own definitions and go about your day, that's fine, but it's still adverse. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, they're just like, well, if you want to if you want to go home, man, take the shot, go home, you know? So, my biggest thing was, I got to a point, and I was like, well, I don't trust any of these people. I could get that shot. And what's to stop them from saying, well, yeah, you got the shot now, but uh, yeah, you're staying in Korea. And then got the shot for no reason. I sold my morals, <laughs> sold my soul, you know, and didn't get anything accomplished that I want to get accomplished. Because when they told me that I need to either get the shot or put an exemption in while I was on emergency leave, <laughs> they were saying, if you don't do either one of these things, we're going to drag you back to Korea not curtail you, not give you compassionate, not let you PCS, blah, blah, blah. Well, shit, I did that. <laughs> and uh, I still got all five of those things. They drug me back to Korea. They didn't give me my compassionate. They didn't curtail me. And they stuck me here. And they didn't let me PCS. So to me, that was a lesson for me. Like You do what they want. They're going to do whatever they want. At the end of the day, they're going to do whatever they want with you. That's a common theme that I've so seen through One this. of my biggest motivations is to, yeah, just doing what they want. Law doesn't matter. Making their own rules as they go. And, yeah, no. Because for them to order you to take this or to have any repercussions for you taking this is illegal. This is, I'm sure most listeners know that this is an emergency use authorization. And that means that it is not approved. It's authorized to be used. And because it's not approved, not that that really means anything these days, because the FDA doesn't mean anything, and any, and just because they approve it doesn't mean that I'm going to ever take it, and that doesn't mean that anything in there has changed or made it safe or made it not change your genes, because it does change your genes, and I'll talk about that here in just a bit. Mm -hmm. You are sovereign over your body. There is very little we have in this world. We have our word, and we have our own DNA, and they're trying to take that away from us. And it's not even really ours. We're renting it from God, and we're supposed to be good stewards of it. And to allow someone to stick something in us that goes against our morals, that causes a grave moral injury, and then could change our DNA, could, it likely does. And I'm going to be exploring that next in the future on some another episode. I'll talk a little bit about it now. We shouldn't even be letting our troops have the option to take it, let alone be forcing them to take it. Some things I've been finding is, if you listen to my episode 9, I talk about how there could be CRISPR in it. That was speculation. About a week later, I got a white paper where someone decoded, we call it translated, they took that mRNA and figured out what it, what it builds. Well, it does not build an entire spike protein. So how do you get immunity for something that's not in there? There's little fragments, but there is not an entire spike protein. There is, in fact, a whole CRISPR-Cas9 protein. 
CRISPR-Cas9, go look on YouTube. There's videos from six and seven years ago on how it is a cut and paste. It goes into your, your nucleus and it cuts out what it was designed to cut out and paste in what it is designed. Okay, well, that's not proof, Dr. Sigloff. Yeah, I know. What about the whistleblower document that shows that there's CRISPR-Cas9 in it? Well, that's not proof either. Okay, it's not proof. If there was a 1% chance that there's gene editing technology in there that had help from the Chinese to build through Fosun Pharmaceuticals, we shouldn't allow any soldier to get it because we could potentially be injecting our soldiers with a bioweapon developed by our enemy. Absolutely. And, and your decision and your strength to stand against this assault on your soul is commendable. And, and you're an example to me. And someday your family, if you have children, they will look up and say, wow, look what, look what dad, look what grandpa did. He was, that was a different time. He had no idea, but he had insight. And that insight comes from God. And I don't know if you've noticed, but people who are against you or who don't help you, because if you, you choose to side by what you do, and like, what's well, no big deal? No, it is. And if you can't see that it's a big deal, then, then you're spiritually blind. For if this were saline and did not potentially have CRISPR technology in it, I'd be standing in the same place. Yeah. And brother, I wish you were closer. <laughs> this is such an awful situation for you. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, a lot of my, uh, I always tell my mom was because it, it's absolutely true. Um, you know, my immediate coworkers and my uh, my company, they just they're very supportive too. I've never faced anyone having me. They don't ostracize me because I'm the dirty, unvaccinated kid or anything. They, we all work. That's a, that's another thing. I I, I work <laughs> very close to these people every day for nine months during my pending exemption. And now they're going to tell me that I'm not able to, but they, yet they still bring me to work every day. Uh, they'll also say in my exemption letter or my rejection letter that I'm a, a health risk to the Korean public. So they should they get you out of Korea then. Off post and yeah, my, my big thing is like, <laughs> y'all the ones that, uh, that stuck me here. And, you know, we had unvaccinated soldiers showing up here. We had, even after they said we couldn't PCS, we had unvaccinated soldiers, soldiers, even to my company, PCS to Korea. And this was before they put that frag out saying, that, oh, it's just the, it's just the soldiers who are Oconus. They can't PCS back to the States, it's, but they, people can still PCS to Oconus. That's entrapment. What does that tell you right there? That's entrapment. They'll let you go That's to a entrapment. foreign country and expose the population if that yeah. is a thing that they're concerned about, but they won't let you come back to America. Oh, that's that's what exactly what they write in your rejection letters is you are uh, a risk to your fellow soldier, your coworkers, and and uh, and you're stationed in Korea, and now you're a risk to the Korean public by not being vaccinated. I, I didn't ask to be here. Y'all stuck me here. And how is this going to play out? How is this going to pan out? Because if if we are really <laughs> if we were really uh, risk to the Korean public, and you're knowingly 
PCSing unvaccinated soldiers to a foreign country that they always say, oh, we're guests in this country. We got to, you know, we have to be stewards and, you know, a good representative of the army. But now, now we're sending dangerous unvaccinated people to Korea. That is my biggest, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The reason Korea still has, even though they, they lifted the mask mandate, but they still have some of the biggest travel restrictions to come here. And America doesn't. So you put me through all these travel restrictions as an unvaccinated soldier when I can just go home to America. I don't have to quarantine. I don't have to do any of that thing when I go back to America. That, it, it just baffles me. It, just, it doesn't make any sense. And that's how I know it's, just, it's all just control. They knew exactly when they stuck me here. They said, oh, this guy's about to go home and PCS. We'll see how bad he wants to PCS. It's entrapment. Coercion, strong arming. And I, I just, I can't sit here and honestly look at you in the face and say, "Oh, I, I never thought about getting a shot." I, I mean, I went, especially between December and and February, it was probably the darkest times of the six months. Like I, I was really mad, really angry, and I was just really just considering getting and going home. And uh, like I said, my my support system, whether it be here uh, and my family back home. But there's a lot of guys that are in my company that are rooting for me. They're like, no, oh, man, you've made it this far. Why why, why, why fold now? Why cave? You know? And there's a lot of guys that have told me that they wish they stuck to their guns. And, you know, there was a lot of guys that said they weren't getting it. And they caved as soon as they made it mandatory. Because they were telling people, even before it was mandatory, they were telling people here in Korea last spring that, hey, uh, you might as well get the shot now because once it's mandatory, if you don't have it, you won't pay it, uh, be taken leave. And and by mandatory, my old roommate, you're you're red on a list. Yeah. So, I remember my old roommate. He PCS in November, but he had, his his wife was giving birth um, to their their newest baby in last July, and it was like May or June of last year. And it wasn't even mandatory yet. And they were they had us in a formation out here in front of our barracks saying, hey, like, hey, the, the shot is safe, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about a whole battalion formation saying, yeah, a doctor come out here and blow smoke. Say, oh, this is great. It's, it's no big deal. And, uh, you know, platoon sergeants and whatnot telling you, hey, if you don't get it and you need to take leave, you won't be able to take leave. They're gonna, it's probably going to be if it comes mandatory. So we're scaring people. I remember my old roommate saying, dude, I have to be home for my baby being born. I can't miss that. And out of fear of missing that, he took the shot. He didn't really want to, but that coercion tactic worked on him. And and it's disgusting the lengths of the, and that was last <laughs> that was last May. You know, that was last year. And boy howdy when when uh, September rolled around that thing was mandated. It was guns hot. There was there was no laws. There was no rules. You were getting it, and or you were putting an exemption in, and you know they'll give you an option. And you put a, put an exemption in or get the shot. But <laughs> yeah, boy, howdy! When you take the road that they don't truly want you to take, they they'll make your life miserable. Well, on the other in possible way. On the other end of that, I was giving medical exemptions, and most people know my story. But on September thirteenth, I was suspended for allegedly not following the Secretary of Defense guidance and guidance is not law policy is then on september 14th the policy came out and the policy reflected what was already in the books what was law 
and everything, all the exemptions that I gave out completely followed that policy. And so I haven't seen a patient since before September 13th, and I'm under investigation in Texas, which is fine. Like, the reason I'm doing this is for men like you, who I didn't even know existed, but I'm so thankful that I could meet you, and I hope this encourages you, because what you're doing is right. And, and what they're doing is wrong. I mean, like, there's no way on anywhere that what they're doing could be right in any way. You are sovereign over your body. And that's the biggest thing I want people to know is, let's say you've gotten a shot or two already, and you don't want to get more, then don't do more. Don't do anything you don't want to do. Right. You know, just because you're, you know, we don't say, oh, well, yeah, it's so-and-so broke into your house on Wednesday, so you need to let them break in again on Friday so they can get some more stuff. No, it's your house. It's your body. You don't let anybody get in. Yep. And they've used this false argument. Oh, well, you've gotten vaccines in the past that may have had fetal... Yeah, I was stupid back then. Yeah, I didn't do any research back then. Yeah, and now I've, I've opened my eyes, and now I'm trying to live in accordance with what I believe. Because what I believe doesn't matter if I don't actually do it. I believe that's one of the biggest reasons they didn't push the booster so hard. Um, they tried to the beginning of this year. Yeah, they they highly incentivize uh, it. They said the same thing. Hey, the booster is going to be mandatory, and you're going to have to take it eventually. So you might as well get it now. And uh, there was a lot of pro uh, pushback. I know, especially here in Korea, there's a lot of guys here who, who had got you know their first and second dose, uh, and then said you know, experienced complications or didn't like the way it felt or didn't want to take it in the first place. And when I heard that the, the booster was potentially becoming mandatory, that there was a lot of guys that blatantly, I mean, you might as well kick me out. I'm not taking that. Uh, so I think they had to take a step back there for a while and go, uh, I don't think we can get away with this one quite yet. Um, obviously there was a, a plenty of people that, you know, stood in line to go and accept the booster. But I remember, I believe it was like February this year, they were trying to say that only fully vaccinated people could use the gym. And you had to have the booster. The booster included fully vaccinated. And I remember that lasted for all of maybe three days. And I knew my company commander and my first aren't to be one of them. But I knew a lot of command teams that were going to IG and EO and putting complaints in. Like, you can't do that. That's discrimination. You can't. That's medical discrimination. That's discrimination. And religious it's discrimination. not even a mandatory shot. Right. Yeah. So I'm to mention like you're now you're saying that I can't now I can't go to the gym. What like one of your jobs as a soldier is to stay fit, and you're gonna take and especially in the winter time here in Korea you don't want to go running out, running outside. It's cold, snow on the ground, ice on the ground. How you know? cold does it get there? So now, just for reference for people, uh, I would say anywhere it could get to like below freezing on some days with the wind chill. Yeah. I would say. I don't know. I've definitely experienced the same amount of cold in like North Carolina in the wintertime. So I work on the airfield, so the wind always blows on the airfield, so it makes everything really cold. So it could be like, you know, 10 degrees outside when you get that wind chill going. It just, it always finds a way to rip through your cold oh, yeah. weather gear, man. But so, like I say, I'm like, they were trying to push this stuff where everyone's trying to use the gym right now. And at the time, we I think we were in. I don't think we ever went back to Hefcon Charlie. I think we were just in Hefcon 
they kept on like adding pluses to it, you know, like Hepcon Bravo Just plus plus, you know, or yeah. <laughs> some yeah. stupid stuff like that. Yeah. So now, what do you want to go back to Charlie? Because you're restricted to post, and everyone's restricted to post, except for obviously the people. That's another dumb thing. People that live off post, they come and go off post every day for work, <laughs> but no one can go off post. Like anyone that lives in the barracks can't go off post. Like, okay, well, what about the people that go home to their families every night off post? But um, nobody wanted to go back to Charlie because there was no there's no restaurants. I mean, I remember when I first got here in December of uh, 2020, yeah, it was Charlie and it was locked down. I mean, you could barely go it's on like the PX. A, it's almost like prison or the commissary. Yeah. So uh, December time here, after, and this is pretty much right after I accept the fact that I'm being extended in Korea. Um, you know we're we were doing a Taekwondo PT for about a week and about the last day of that week, someone tested positive for COVID and uh, you know, they did a contact tracing and they had us all come get tested and you know, and uh, I walk in the room they said anyone that was there and they, they called us out by name. Like you need to come to this room and be tested by the Italian medics. So I show up to the door and my commander, my first aren't seeing me like, Oh man, Shane's here. You know, like, what do we do? What's the protocol for this guy? He's unvaccinated. You know, and they're like, and my first time I'm trying to say, you know that you know whether uh, you test positive or not right now. You're going to quarantine. You know that, right? I was like, <laughs> if I test negative, then why would I go to quarantine? Because you're unvaccinated. And my commander actually had a reel him back in. He's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, 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 that's not how we're doing it. Um, if he tests negative, he'll stay in his room for a couple days, and then he'll get a a test like two two or three days from now well that two or three days from now turned out to be christmas morning <laughs> so christmas morning i wake up and i go get my nose poked to tell them that you know because the army needs to tell me right. every day that i'm not sick you know because i don't know when i'm sick or lack not. of symptoms so, don't tell you you're not sick uh, yeah so <laughs> so go in there and christmas morning Miraculously, I'm not sick. It was a Christmas miracle. I'm not. I don't miracle. have COVID. Yeah. Only for us to get back to our room, and then they tell us that the whole division, the whole second ID division, is put on lockdown. It's on ROM. No one will leave base, and you should not be outside your room unless you absolutely have to, like for like food and water. Basically, the commissary. We weren't even supposed to be in the PX. Only the commissary. Food only. And. Um, they kept us on that ROM for about two months. So that was my welcome back to Korea. You're extended, and now you're locked down to your room. Did you by chance ever and test positive for COVID or have symptoms of COVID? So yes, uh, once they started implementing the uh, uh, unvaccinated soldiers have to get tested every Monday morning, you know, for work. Wait, who's directing uh, this, medical, and they, this medical treatment? Is some commander who's just kind of like, well, yeah, maybe we should test him again? Because that's practice <laughs> this, in medicine. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. This, this is this is all coming from either, I'm assuming my brigade, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's coming down from division, but brigade commander down to battalion commander and saying, hey, uh, y- y'all's unvaccinated people will be at the battalion, uh, you know, uh, the, actually, the battalion medic room they have upstairs, uh, pretty much down the street from uh, <laughs> the command suite, 
and you'll all be here at 8.30 in the morning to get your nose, you know, to get tested. To be medically assaulted. So I walked in one morning and Let's say it the right I felt way. fine. To be medically assaulted. Huh? Let's use the proper adjectives because they need to understand that they're medically assaulting people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now we don't even do it. So they used to send out reminders constantly. I've never been told to stop, but I've never been told to continue. I just stopped showing up and no one stopped me from not getting tested every month. I, I refused. And, but no one's, hey, uh, I didn't see you this morning, you know, at, you know, your mandatory testing. It's been months because the last one I took was the time that I uh, tested positive for COVID. And I walked in there one morning and they, you know, tested me. I felt just fine. And uh, it was about, you know, we got to wait 15 minutes or whatever. And uh, I'm sitting there talking with my platoon sergeant, who's also unvaccinated. And we're just, you know, yeah. What? And uh, this medic looks down and like right as it's, it's like almost 15 minutes, this second pink line starts showing up. It's like, uh, uh, hey, sergeant, it says positive. I'm like. I was like, oh no, I, I'm dying. You know, I was very sarcastic <laughs> about it. He's like, well, I'm not supposed to do this, but let's test you again just to be sure. And uh, <clears throat> they uh, <laughs> test me again. And uh, yeah, it came back positive quick. So they're like, uh, they get on the phone, they start acting all nervous. Like, hey, we got one of these guys, you know. Uh, <laughs> Tested positive. Now, granted, there was like, I don't know, there's probably like, in my battalion, there's probably like 15 of us that are unvaccinated. And so, this during this time, like, our whole battalion was getting eat, eaten up by uh, positive COVID test uh, cases to the point where they told the vaccinated people to stop getting tested. But boy, howdy, whenever uh, one of the unvaccinated dudes tested positive, oh man, they'd sing up to the rooftops about it. See, told you, should have got vaccinated. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> All you have <laughs> tested positive. Like, this is my first time ever getting it. So <clears throat> they sent me. They said, "Hey, you need to you need to notify your command right now." And I was instructed to go back to my room and pack a bag because I was going to go to ISO facility. And uh, I'm a I'm an NCO, so I don't have a roommate. Um, but I don't live in the NCO barracks because I came here as a junior enlisted guy. And when they tried to get me to move to the NCO barracks, I was like, I'm almost out of here, so I don't want to move rooms when I'm about to move out of Korea. So all the NCOs can quarantine in their rooms, except for me, because I live in the junior enlisted barracks, and they don't consider my, my barracks a quarantine facility. So they said, and I had a lot of people fighting for me to try to just stay in my room. So I was like, I have plenty of food in here. And, you know, it's, I got my TV, I got my entertainment. I'll make quarantine. I'll make my 10 yeah. days last. You know, it's, it's all good. And I'm like, no, can't do it. Stay where you are. We're going to come pick you up. About five hours later, I'm unsupervised. I can, at this point in time, before they came and got me, I could have went down to the shop at, got something to drink, talked to 20 people, go out in the hallway, do whatever I wanted. Five hours later, they finally sent CQ up to come get me out of my room. They escorted me downstairs, and there's this person in this <laughs> makeshift hazmat like, suit. Is it is it like the CQ stuff they use for for when they give they, you ribs or crabs or whatever? Yeah, and it's you know just that little plasticky stuff that's supposed supposed to protect you. <laughs> Pretty most, much, most yeah. That really players. that really uh, yeah <laughs> yeah the mesh stuff, like the really paper mm. feeling mesh stuff. So she took me, and they had. 
an ambulance out front. I, 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 I kid you not. They had. And did you have any symptoms at this point? And they drove me down to. No, no, and that's the, yeah. And that was the funny thing is even the medic told me that like, well, that's funny because you don't even look sick, dude. I was like, I'm not. <laughs> I feel fine. So, I get to uh, the isolation facility, which was, was, was weirdly my reception quarantine barracks when I PCS here to Korea. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, they just kind of threw me in there. All right, have a good time, you know. And uh, there was no other, there was nobody else in that room with me. And it's a, it's like a, it's a two bedroom barracks. So like you have a common area and a bathroom and then a, a door and a door and each through each door is a separate bedroom. But each bedroom has two beds in it for this isolation facility. So I'm thinking, well, I'm unvaccinated, so they probably won't put me in with anybody. No. Not even 10 minutes in my room, I get another knock on my door and I answer it. And it's the, you know, ISO fat guys. They were like, oh, hey, Sergeant, we got some roommates for you. And they throw three dudes that came up from Daegu up to Camp Humphreys to... to quarantine in Camp Humphreys. Now, that's a drive. Explain like, to us. Daegu is more than halfway Explain to us how far that is. Uh, yeah, so Camp... camp yeah, so, well, like, if you look at South Korea, Camp Humphreys is, like, in an area called Pyeongtaek, right? And Busan is, like, at the very southern, like, southeastern tip of the peninsula. And if you were on a speed train, it takes, like, two hours to get there. Now, Daegu is, like... I mean, I fly there. I have to fly there, to, you know, to Camp Carroll all the time to do missions, and it's like an almost an hour flight in the Chinook. So they drove these guys up from Daegu to quarantine at Camp Humphreys. I don't know why. You you couldn't quarantine anywhere at Camp Carroll, like. So, but these guys were really sick. They were really sick. They were hacking up lungs. They, you know, blowing so they stuck you like, in a two-man room okay, with three so, other sick yeah. people. Not. Yeah. Well, people yeah. like you were well. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not sick now, but I bet I will be now. And, uh, yeah. Two days later, I started getting, like, you know, sore throat. Mainly a sore throat and, like, a stuffy nose. Nothing bad. Um, and then I had, like, I had, like, joint pain. Like, I've had, I've experienced all this stuff before, like, like a cold or something, you know. So, like, I'm mean, I just achy. I'm kind of moody. I'm like, ugh, yeah, I don't feel good. I just laid in bed and watched movies. Um, and then one night I woke up, and I obviously had a fever because I broke that fever, and I woke up in, like, a, you know, a pile of my own sweat. You know, so I – and after I broke that fever, I felt great. But it only lasted a day for me personally. Um, so I guess the only – there was only one vaccinated guy in there. And he got to leave on day seven. And day seven, when they said, hey, man, you're good to go. You can leave. That guy was still really sick sounding. Like, he didn't sound good at all. Like, he's like, yeah, I can go. I can go. He's like, yeah, you're good to go. And then I guess the other two kids that were in my room with me, they were unvaccinated. And I didn't know that until after they said it. Um, and uh, we had to stay for 10 days. But both, all three of us, we recuperated, I feel like, the fastest. I think one of the other unvaccinated kids, like, he just kind of 
had a cough every once in a while while he was sleeping. But this guy they let go on day seven was really sick. I, I, I thought I just took note of that. I was like, that was kinda that's kinda funny. Like they didn't say, Hey man, let me test you. Like there was no exit test. Any quarantine I've ever been in, so since I've been in Korea, like coming to Korea when you come here, you have to get a test before you go to quarantine and you gotta get a test to leave. What? Even off, even for like... me. When we left, they don't test you. They're just like, You're free to go. I'm like what sense does that make? You didn't even check to see if we're good. Like, they didn't come in here, hey, man, how are you feeling today? Hey, are you experiencing any symptoms? Like, no, they just threw you in there and just wait your 10 days and you can you can leave. What's crazy is... Uh, and it's super bad character. Is, like, in medicine, if you have symptoms, you're considered contagious. Vaccinated, unvaccinated, treated, and it doesn't matter. If you have <laughs> symptoms, you're considered contagious. And a lot of it hasn't made sense. And I remember, because like another thing, any other quarantine building I'd have been here in Korea, you were allowed to leave your room. They came to you. They dropped off the food. They dropped off water. You know, you could call down to the desk and have things ordered to your room or, or like, hey, can you bring me, like, some new bed sheets or whatever. And uh, this one was weird because we could <laughs> we could walk out of our room and walk in our own hallway. We couldn't go in other hallways. We could walk amongst our own hallway on our floor, and we could go downstairs and go outside. They they weren't even come near us, and I was. And then outside, they had this little, you know, they have engineer tape, you know, or far on the trees and the fences, like this white tape will protect everyone on the outside from COVID getting out, or whatever. <laughs> so that we could, I'll, that was the only thing is at least they let us go outside because I spent most of my days in quarantine outside, sitting in the sun. And. Uh, I remember talking to one of the guys there, it was a lieutenant as well, and I was like, man, you guys like don't have enough people working all the time. They're always saying, hey, we're understaffed, so sorry. Breakfast got here two hours ago, but we haven't brought it up to you guys yet. We're real sorry about it. So next thing you know, you get cold defect food. <laughs> and, you know, defect breakfast That's turns into rubber sick too. when it gets cold. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I was like, what, what's going on? Like, why are you guys, so, like, so understaffed? And, you know, it was terrible. Like, and they said, oh, we're, we're kind of underfunded right now. Underfunded? This is COVID isolation facility. This should have all the money. And, like, they, they, uh, this is, like, this the is priority. This is the most dangerous here. virus in the like, history yeah. of man. And here we are protecting ourselves with a piece of cloth. Yeah. You know, like a, 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 a rib bib. Really? And, I mean, just, it's, it's, it's insane. They don't even, and the thing is, they don't even clean the rooms. So they make the, the previous occupant clean the room before you leave quarantine. And then someone's supposed to come through and check. No one checks. And I don't believe, like, they disinfect the room after they're done. Because, I mean, I've seen plenty of horror stories on Facebook and people like, you know, like, building 6391. That was the one I was in. And I actually laughed because someone, there was a lot of posts on Facebook Building six three nine one, you know, we, we you know they they'll send families there that that PCS to Korea and throw them in there and you know showers are dirty and the floors are dirty. No one's cleaned up from the previous people and they're just throwing families in there and then forgetting about them. And it was getting pretty bad. So I was reading some stuff about that. But I just laughed because I'm like, oh man, I <laughs> I've been in that building twice. Yeah. So yeah, I did I, I did test positive for COVID and uh, it's like after I tested positive, 
Um, no one was like worried about me anymore. I don't Wait. know. Like they, that's when they stopped pushing for me to go get tested. Well, every the reality Monday. is, well, they're not supposed to test you for 90 days per no CDC one... guidelines. They're not supposed to test you for 90 days after you've been positively infected and recovered. And, and a constant mm. that we've had in medicine is once you've recovered from a virus, you don't need a vaccine because you're immune now. At least most viruses. You know, there's some that, that, oh, yeah. That's that, that come back. But, I mean, that's just, it's like, well, now you have natural immunity. And, you know, you, you may qualify. Actually, I'm pretty sure you do qualify to be what we call a second-class uh, plaintiff in Robert versus Austin. And that's a case that's, that's arguing uh, immunity, natural immunity. And I have a affidavit in that one where I talk about the lipid nanoparticles and how they're not fit for human use. They're not medically validated and they're not even to be used in veterinary medicine. That was basically what my medical exemption was that I was giving out to soldiers because if they didn't want it and I found this legitimate medical reason that these are not to be used in medicine, then here, here's your excuse not to get this thing that that will damage your morals, that will cause grave grave injury to you at least to your moral side, if not also to your body. And we're seeing that it does gravely injure soldiers. Well, Shane, I, I hate we have to wrap it up. I could probably talk to you all day and um, hope to meet hope to meet up with you sometime <laughs> in Texas. Hopefully, we, you know. Um, yeah. Awesome. Uh, right now I'm in Arizona, yeah. but hopefully I want to get back to Texas as long as Texas doesn't doesn't go the wrong way. Um but it's it's been a true yeah. pleasure and an honor. And is there anything else that you want to leave us with? Uh, I don't got nothing. Just anyone out there that's in the same boat, you know, stand your ground. You know, you'll be uh you'll be on the right side of history when all this clears up. So it's true. Life's a test. And, and the men that are standing there <laughs> for sure. Just taking this onslaught and, and not we don't hear about them and it's men like you and, and I see you and all the listeners see you and, and, yeah. and I don't mean like physically see, I mean like when I was in med school, they, we went to some class and they taught us some African word. I can't remember what it is, but, but the word means I see you. And it's not just that it, not a physically see it's, I see the potential in you and I want to help draw that out to make you better, to make me better, to make this world better. And in that sense, I see you. And and I'm proud of the stance that you're making because it takes tremendous personal courage. That's definitely hard. <laughs> so I appreciate all the support. And if there's anything I can do, please let me know. Uh, most, uh, most definitely, sir. <laughs>